Welcome to Legacy Sport Live, stories of the people who are shaping the conversation at the intersection of sport, business and purpose. I'm Neil Duffy, co-author of our new book, Legacy Sport, how to win at the business of sport in the age of social good. Today I talk to Ben Aston, Managing Director at Lions Raw, an incredible sport for good organisation that recruits football fans to volunteer their services to transform needy communities around the world and create opportunities for change for underserved children. With us today is Ben Aston, who's Managing Director of Lions Raw's operations here in the US. Ben, it's great to have you with us. Um, and uh, I'd like to start off by going uh, sort of right back to the, the roots of Lions Raw and understand how it was created, um, what it's been doing, and how you've got to where you are now. The original concept and idea of Lions Raw was kind of created by our founder, John Burns, um, who kind of had a light bulb moment while following England around England football team um, and really being affected by the um, reputation of the supporters um, being hooligans and, and whatever um, and really wanted to flip that around because it was actually a small minority and not the majority of England fans that were, were causing this trouble and John kind of had a, an idea that you know, whilst on tour and, and going to see World Cups, European Championships, and just generally following England around, why not try and do some good uh, and kind of get these these supporters and, and what he calls an untapped army um, kind of engaged and mobilised into doing good uh, across the world, not just in England, not just kind of in our own towns, but but wherever we go to follow this team. Um, so the first tournament we, we did some work at was in South Africa. Uh, we planted ourselves probably about eight months before the tournament in uh, the Valley of a Thousand Hills, um, which is just outside Durban. And the premise is that we we basically take fans um, to a major tournament across the group stages of that tournament, and it'll always be in a host city. Um, therefore, we get in three games across the two weeks. And whilst there's not a game on, um, so the days where we're kind of free to do to do whatever we want, we'll watch some soccer, but we'll also do some good. Um, and that really entails volunteering, working with youth uh, in the area that we've decided to be. Um, and then also we kind of have a, I guess the easiest way to explain it is a Habitat for Humanity type construction project. Um, it just so happened in South Africa that we, we um, built kind of an extension, a wing of an orphanage um, out in the Valley of a Thousand Hills. And the idea um, in South Africa, then Poland in 2012, Brazil in 2014 and France in 2016 was that, you know, we do the work while the World Cup's on, but we don't just stop there. We actually plant a legacy. Um, we create a 501c3 charity status um, and then we continue work um, once the World Cup is, is kind of over. Um, so we now have continued work going on in South Africa, Poland, um, Brazil, and little bits going on in France with partners there. Uh, and really, it's just a continuation of that. Um, we, we then looked at um, America 
um, as, a, as a place that we could possibly come to. And instead of going away to tournaments, we started looking at home supporters. Um, how can we kind of get in with the supporter groups of club teams, um, in, affect them for good and kind of mobilize them to go out into their own communities um, to affect change, to create chances for change for, for kids and youth and, and whatever else. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, it's, yeah, go on. It's, I mean, it's, it's brilliant, you know, this idea of, of fans self-organizing themselves to do good. Um, while enjoying something that they're passionate about. How, how, many, how many people have kind of been on this journey with you guys over the last 10, 12 years? Yeah, we have a small operation team um, up and down in regards to full-time, part-time employees. Um, right now, I think we're pretty much 80% um, volunteer organization. And throughout the kind of tournaments that we've been at, um, we've probably had over 1,000 volunteers that have come through um, and being on a World Cup, what we call a legacy tour. Um, obviously, once the tournament's over, we then put on kind of trips um, to back to that to that location. So right now, actually, we've got to, we're two weeks away from um, putting on a, a tour to South Africa. Um, so ten years later, we've still got people going back there to support the work we're doing there. It's incredible. That's amazing. That's really amazing. And this is like, I mean, this is just something the fans have decided to do. There's no official federation involved there's no sponsorship involved it's just real from the heart fans doing good around sport yeah that's right the we actually you know we we set up logistics and we manage the kind of logistics side to the tour um, but yeah these fans are paying their way um, they go into a tournament and deciding to to do something different not just i mean i've been to tournaments and i've gone and i've drunk my beer and i've followed the team around and had an amazing time um but this is something completely different and i can honestly say that it was much much more rewarding when i went to brazil with lion draw and in fact you know kind of changed my life in how i view soccer and how it can, can affect and change people's lives amazing amazing so it's 2020 and um what's lions Raw working on right now yeah we've we've got some exciting things happening actually we we've been working in the u.s now for the last six years and We've done some kind of one-to-one -one work with some supporter clubs within the MLS, um, FC Dallas, NYCFC, ring to, ring to mind right now. Um, but we actually did a firm kind of pivot into national team um, supporters, and we, we created a partnership with the American Outlaws, who are just an incredible organization. Um, they started as two guys in a pub wanting to watch a soccer game and, and have audio on. Um, they were allowed to do that. They brought 30 people to watch the game. And then from there, they, over the last 10 years, have grown to now having 200 chapters across the country, 25,000 members. Uh, and they follow the U.S. men's and women's national teams across the world. Um, they always have a presence at any game they play at. And we kind of stalked them for a little bit and we told them how amazing they were. And um, we also just kind of asked them the question. You know, we said, what, what are you doing to give back to your communities? Um, you know, you're in 200 of them across the country. And is there anything that you're doing to kind of, you know, improve um, where you work, play and live? Um, and there was, there was. We were glad to report and find out that there was things going on. Their chapters are ran autonomously, but they... Um, do have a kind of national scope um, around it all. And really the two founders and the, the board of, of AO um, were very much interested to come alongside Lions Roar and create a 501c3 status to create a kind of five pillar 
um, kind of project, I guess, to, to put even more effort into um, giving back. And we created a, a program called AO Impact. Um, so that's, that's kind of what we've been doing over the last six years. And we're really on the edge of something really big with the American Outlaws now here in the States and, and hopefully wherever they go as well. Um, on top of that, we're still continuing operations in the places where we've been, Brazil and South Africa especially, uh, with tours that kind of go back to those places and take fans back and, and to help out. Um, and then we've got Euros 2020 coming up and we've got a big project in the King's Cross Camden area of, of London uh, where we're hoping a bunch of supporters are going to come in from hopefully all over the world and they're going to help us with a schools project there and a, um, a few youth and, and kind of community groups out there. So it could be a really cool project to be a part of. Amazing. So as you look forward over the next, the next decade, um, mm. there was obviously a World Cup uh, coming to the US. There is. Um, yeah, and I'm sure that's, that didn't go unnoticed. No. It, it, well, yeah, we weren't thinking of it <laughs> kind of, you know, at the moment. Um, but about 12 months ago, um, we, we were sat down with the American Outlaws and, and we knew that they just had this amazing army of fans that they, you know, they're kind of like the voice or the 12th man, the voice of US soccer or the 12th man of, of US soccer. And, they, they do have a lot of power. Um, and so we really wanted to kind of start working on bigger projects. Um, you know, it's really good that each chapter's going out there and, and doing some good in their own communities, but we wanted to look at the national scope of this and see what we could do to actually affect the game on the whole. Like, you know, not just um, kind of individual uh, neighborhoods, but actually how can, how can the fans make US soccer better? Um, how can they develop better players? How can they get more people playing? Um, and how can they give access to, to, to enable kids, really, um, that don't probably have the access to play um, the sport? So it's been really good to look at that um, from kind of like a wide angle. And we came up with a great idea to, to start building fields or at least, you know, create some spaces that kids can play on, um, especially so in low-income areas. And then, you know, one afternoon we were kind of having a think and we just thought, well, look, the World Cup is coming here. Why don't we fix this project um, of building these fields and creating spaces to play around this World Cup? Why don't we have a six-year kind of build-up um, and try and build some fields and get some spaces to play um, and have a big kind of Lions Raw legacy tour in the 2026 World Cup, a big celebration of all these fields that we've now built over the last six years. So 26 by 26 was created. Um, we're going to build 26 fields um, in 26 low-income areas across USA, Canada, and Mexico, all before the 2026 World Cup. Aha. Uh -huh. That's uh, <laughs> no small undertaking. No, it, it's pretty big, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, this is something that the fans are doing from the bottom up. There's, it's, it's not an official program of... FIFA or US soccer, it's something that's driven, driven from the grassroots. That's right, yeah. In much the same way that, you know, on a Lions Raw tour, we, we tend to stay away from the maybe one or two main cities of that country. Um, so, you know, in, in Brazil, we weren't in Sao Paulo or Rio de Janeiro. We, we were in Curitiba. And the reason for that is that we kind of stay out of FIFA's radar. Um, we're able to really align ourselves with what's going on in the city. Um, and I mean, in Curitiba, we had the mayor of the city involved and he was kind of, you know, 
giving us real encouragement to go ahead with all the plans we were trying to do, it's especially building the soccer education center that we built. Um, much the same way with 26 by 26, we hope that we you know, capture the imagination of the fans, um, we build some real power in, in kind of the groups that are involved. And, you know, I don't, I'm not sure we're going to need a federation or, a, you, know, you know, to kind of get behind us. But having said that, we also see um, that every World Cup tournament has a legacy program. And we, we feel that 26 by 26 could be that legacy program. It could be the answer to see change happen. Um, so we're absolutely interested in speaking to, to bigger powers to try and, you know, bring them on board to, to see exactly what we're doing. Right. So, you know, building fields is all very well, but once a field's been built, you know, what, what happens to it? So are you, what's your approach to, you know, to using infrastructure, um, to improve communities and, and improve lives? Yeah, we've been, we've been really lucky over the last 18 months to, um, meet an organization too actually and, and they've come on board as as national partners um with this so we have line drawing the american outlaws as kind of like the fans um and then we've i was really lucky to meet a company called lisk who are a non-profit um standing for local initiative supporting corporation and they've actually had a 20-year relationship with the nfl and built over 350 sports fields with them over the last 20 years is it's quite amazing. Um, and I kind of pitched the idea of soccer being the, the next um, kind of power sport in the US that more and more younger kids, are, you know, the new generations are playing this game. And I kind of gave them proof that it's a game that can be used as, you know, to change people's lives. Um, and they, they saw the real kind of promise in that. And I told them about 26 by 26 and they, they jumped on board and kind of famously now about five minutes it took them to be convinced, which was great. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're lucky to have LISC involved. They've got this experience. They, they have a, a request for proposal model that they've used with the NFL um, in communities across America for the last 20 years. And we're, we're lucky enough to be able to adopt that into 26 by 26. So LISC will be handling like all that kind of um, aspect of the project. Um, and then in and around the, the field building, we actually really have a vision for 26 community transformations. You know, we want to bring development and economic strength to, to communities built around this soccer field. Um, so we're, we're now going to be looking at that and, and seeing what can, what can also be done um, in much the same way that Lions Row would go to a community um, you know, like I said, eight, eight to 12 months before a tournament and, and actually just create networks, create partnerships and meet all the nonprofits doing good work in that city and, and kind of say to them, look, how can we help you? How can we bring improvement to your neighborhood, to your communities? Um, you know, where is the need? Um, and then, you know, we kind of assess it all and then we see if we can do it. And, and I believe that we'll be able to do the same kind of thing with, with LISC on board. Um, and then we also have a, commu uh, a another soccer partner called Street Football World, who are a global nonprofit um, that have worked with FIFA on their legacy World Cup programs over the last kind of 12 years. Uh, and again, I think we're really lucky to have these guys involved and we're kind of building a really strong um, foundation of, of nonprofit partners that are going to see this project home. So just want to pick up on that uh that the concept of using soccer as a tool to build stronger communities. 
So I know that that's something that Street Football World have done in their previous work. Do you want to just talk a little bit about the model and the thinking? I mean, there's a great example in Lesotho, I believe it is, um, where where that initial investment by FIFA around the 2010 World Cup has ended up in almost building like a mini city. Absolutely right, yeah. And good friends of ours, um, Kick for Life, uh, have done some amazing work out there. Um, and, And really, yeah, we are looking at kind of you know the field is the um, the first part of, of hopefully a project that will, like I said, bring kind of prosperity to a community or at least change. Um, we're looking to partner with with community groups and, and local stakeholders that will um, be able to prove kind of how they want to use this field, um, how to get programming out there, um, how to bring kind of not twenty four seven, but at least you know each hour of the daylight is, is the, the fields being used. Um, so we're bringing kind of um, use to it um, as much as we can. Um, and we really want those organizations that are working firsthand with the, the youth in that, in that area as well. Um, we also want to kind of try and adopt a, a 26 by 26 program um, where we could possibly work with organizations and um, write for them modules on working with kids within obviously sport, but specifically soccer. Uh, and then also doing kind of going out there and teaching them um, certain things around health, um, healthy eating, but also working on self-esteem, confidence. Um, and then we're also looking at a program um, that could be really interesting in, in that it, 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 it kind of looks at the business of soccer um, and shows um, youth of today that you don't just have to be uh, a sports player um, to be involved in sports in the future, but you can also get really good jobs and employment out of the game um, and not just soccer, of course, but any of the games. So we're looking into that as well and hopefully bringing that into the program. It's amazing. Um, you know, uh, if you, if you just to come back to that kick for life example, I mean, what started off as a, a soccer field, um, I mean, they now have an academy, they now have a hotel, they now have a, a stadium, a conference center, or even have a professional, so a semi-professional football team. So it's a, it's a great example of what's possible when, when you take the holistic approach that you're taking. Um, it's not just about building fields, which is the kind of uh, default model that we right. see here in the US. You know, let's, let's invest money in building fields, but it's about so much more than that. So that that's really, really exciting. Yeah, and I think that, you know, with... And I go back to our partnership with the American Outlaws that, you know, part of our kind of five pillars that we've created with them is is um, to look at kind of, you know, how soccer players are being created in this country. Um, and we've got we kind of got conversations with them going right now about building a, a new academy or at least maybe not even academy. That's the wrong word, but um, a program where we can get as many kids as we can playing soccer. Um, and, and that could be simply, you know, having a soccer ball and using some space to get kids out there kicking and being a part of a team and just being active. Um, but we do see that there's probably some scope in that to then, you know, obviously choose some of the kids that are showing real promise to then create an academy around it. Um, but within that, within the kind of free soccer for all programming, we can really bring some educational stuff to the side as well. And, you know, we do see, you know, I, I especially, you know, 
Pete Fleming of Kick for Life is a good friend of mine and I, I see some of the work he's done there and can and can really see it being transferred to American communities too. You know, there is this education side to it. There is this academy and developing soccer player side to it. Um, and then you, you can look at the community around that soccer field and think, okay, well, what else can we kind of bring prosperity to here? What can we bring economic development to? Um, and it, you know, in theory, like you said, it all stems from this soccer field and it being used as a hub for that community. So there's real promise and, and real plans to kind of get out there and, and make this happen. Absolutely. So 26 soccer fields transforming 26 communities and millions of young people's lives. Um, sounds like a pretty compelling proposition. It also sounds really expensive. How are you going to pay for all of this? <laughs> yeah, it might be expensive. Um, we, we're hoping for, for, corporations to come on board and support us and um, we're talking to a few kind of foundations right now as well um but yeah we're looking for some sponsors for the you know i say sponsors but really partners you know we want them to get involved and we want them to have a say in, in what they're going to be what we're hoping to build in these communities um so yeah those big guys out there um we're hoping that they they jump on board and see the the real opportunity that this presents to them but I understand you're not also, you're not looking for them for corp, the corporate world to fund a hundred percent of this. Uh, the list the list model is quite an interesting one, isn't it? In terms of how they get stuff funded, it is. Yeah, they've got a great leveraging model. Um, the RFP, um, you know, we're looking to fundraise only from the corporations. We're looking to fundraise the kind of the operational costs and put in the the kind of last. Um, kind of quarter to each of the fields um, and then there'll be a round of kind of local funding as well um, so once the RFP is is answered by these community groups and people are submitting kind of their bids um, for this field then the, the real work starts there where we we kind of you know fundraise locally um, and and really bring um, in-kind services to to the projects as well so you know we'll be looking to leverage um, as much as we can get out of people to, to bring their amazing kind of services to the local project. Mm. And I think, I think that's a really uh, innovative approach that LISC have developed because one of the challenges that we see in, in Sport for Good is access to funding in, to allow it to scale. So the fact that they've developed this model where they're tapping into different forms of funding and almost creating funding stacks around projects that draw on public money, private sector money, um, you know, it's, it's really innovative. And I think that's another aspect of this, this project that could be, um, have a real impact on the way that Sport for Good is funded um, here in the US. Absolutely. And, and really, you know, I mentioned how kind of lucky we were to, to meet with them. Um, you know, they, they add a, a different element to this. And there was a certain romance around Lions Roar and American Outlaws kind of coming together, being the fans and, and you know, just having this plan to, to get out there and create spaces to play for kids. And, you know, that, that would have been really great too. Um, but list just add this kind of real seriousness to it and allows, you know, they bring capacity to this project now and, and real muscle um, and really puts it on the map. So we're, we're so glad to have uh, kind of got them involved. And, you know, the same can be said as street football world, you know, they did in 2010, they did the football for hope centers uh, across Africa um, so they also bring real experience to to the party, and you know we're just we're just really pleased that they're both on board, and and also just really excited to get this going and and get going, you know. So Ben, if if um, 
Congratulations to everything that you guys are doing. I think it's um, it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, if you if you just to sort of change gears for a second now, I mean, being so so being so steeped in this project and uh, mm. being being an observer of what's happening in sport and society, I guess it's kind of put you in a position to do that. What else do you see happening in the the world of sport right now and sport for good that you think is is interesting um, and worth following over the next ten years? Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I really like, you know, it's be of recent years and I, I'm sticking to soccer, but um, I really like the common goal movement right now. Um, we're looking at kind of, you know, these guys are engaging their professional um, kind of players within soccer to, to give up 1% of their salary. Um, spearheaded by Juan Mata, who's uh, a, a, one of the favorite players of mine, being a Manchester United fan. Um, and I just think, you know, they, they have this great idea that, um, you know, sports pros can can get involved too, and they've got a very easy platform for for enabling them to do that. Um, and I think you know, putting putting money in a pot and then sending it out to do kind of develop grassroots soccer on a global scale is is highly ambitious, but also just absolutely fantastic uh, and a real good kind of example from the the, the sports pros that are that are getting involved in this. Um, Along the same kind of lines, I think that there's real space for the fans to do something similar, actually. Um, and I'm, I'm presently working on something where we're trying to build a platform for fans to also potentially give, um, you know, small amounts of, of their salary uh, each month or each year um, to go into a kind of, you know, central pot to develop the grassroots game. Um, you know, Fans are also invested in this game. They want to see it better. Um, they want more opportunity for themselves to play or watch. And they, they also, I'm sure, want you know, future generations to have access to the game. So I, I see this kind of collective fundraising um, and collective kind of um, development and social impact around the game being quite big and prominent um, in, the, in the near years um, to come. Uh, I think that's one thing that's going to be really interesting to see on roll. Yep. I think two very insightful observations. So Ben, um, thank you so much. It's been great chatting. Um, again, congratulations on what you're doing and we look forward to watching those 26 um, community transformations get underway over the next uh, couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be fun finding out um, the locations of the, of the places where we go in the next uh, kind of few months. So yeah. Thanks so much, Neil. We hope that you've enjoyed listening to this edition of Legacy Sport Live, the companion podcast series to our new book, Legacy Sport, how to win at the business of sport in the age of social good. Please visit our website at www.legacysport.org to order your copy of the book and join our growing community of sports business professionals committed to doing good while doing well through sport.